Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Today, I'm talking with Kristen Grace McGarry. She's a health and lifestyle expert and an authority on autoimmunity, functional blood chemistry analysis, thyroid, and gut health. And today, we're discussing her book, Holistic Keto for Gut Health, a program for resetting your metabolism. So, Kristen Grace, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's really an honor. um, yeah, I'm glad you could join me. You you are in Costa Rica, so it's it's amazing what technology has done that we can get this information out there, even though we're all so far away from each other, um, which is why I love doing this show. I can help people even if they're not, you know, close to me. Yes, I feel the same. So what inspired you to write a book about keto? Well, it's so much more than just a book about keto. And I was inspired by my own life circumstances and health, my own career choices, and my patients that I've been working with. I learned a long time ago that food is medicine. And I started in Western medicine and then transitioned to Asian and functional medicine and homeopathy and herbology and many other modalities. And What I found is that so many people had misinformation around nutrition and what the root causes of their symptoms were that I decided to start writing books. So when we're talking, I mean, everybody's talking, there's always buzz diets. I think, you know, we've all seen them come and go. Um, Variations of keto have been around for a really long time. Um, You know, I I think Atkins diet was was very similar. And um, we're just using, it seems like we're just using new words, but there's also some different differences in them. Um, People talk about keto and paleo and and there's Atkins and, and there's primal. Um, What are the differences between all of these? Hmm. Well, first, just to clear up, Atkins was not the first to think of keto. Keto actually originated in the 1920s, and it was discovered by Western medical physicians who found that treating children with seizure disorders with a keto-type diet, which is high-fat, moderate protein, low to no carbs, often reversed their seizure conditions, or greatly diminish the number of seizures they were having. So it's so much more than just a fad diet. It's actually truly based in Western medicine. And there are various differences. So paleo and primal tend to uh, invite more carbohydrates into their fuel sources, as I call them, as food is. And those carbohydrates could be like sweet potatoes, for example, or different kinds of starchy veggies. Although they're not doing grains necessarily, they will do higher starched vegetables. And keto, the standard keto diet, does not do that. The standard keto diet eliminates those starchy carbohydrates and relies on fat. The difference between my holistic keto and the typical keto diet 
um, is that I look very holistically at nutrition and, and a single person. And I wrote the book to empower people around uh, the things that are missing in the typical keto diet. Basically, people are falling through the cracks, like your show mm-hmm. title says. And I wanted to help fill that gap and help people uh, prevent themselves from having health issues and gut problems. And so holistic keto really dives into the very important differences between typical keto and my my version that focuses on gut health. So when we're looking at all of this, we're looking at, um, you know, high fat and then the the low carb, no grain. And this is the opposite of, of what I grew up with. Everybody was low fat, low fat. And so how do we know that the difference isn't just that people are getting more of the healthy fats? Um, are, you know, it, what are the studies behind all of this to show that we actually need to do both? And so when we just look at the brain and how the the brain works and what the brain is made up of, which is mostly cholesterol, what science has been able to show us is that the brain works about 25% more optimally from fats for fuel or ketone bodies for fuel than it does carbohydrates. You know, pre-med, we took biology class and we learned that the brain needs carbohydrates. It has to have sugar in order to run. And that's just not true. It's just not based in science. Um, We've also learned that when you transition your metabolism from relying on carbohydrates or glucose, which is stored as glycogen in your muscles and your liver, when you transition from that to uh, getting your fuel, your energy from ketones, it turns you into what I call a metabolic superhero. When you store glucose or carbohydrates, you can only store a very small amount, about 200 kilocalories worth, and you burn that up very, very quickly. Anyone who's listening who's an athlete understands that because it's called bonking. If you are running a marathon or you're cycling or you're swimming or exercising, you'll feel crashy. Your energy will drop when your fuel pantry, so to speak, is emptied. Now, when you're using ketone bodies or fats for fuel, you can store 20,000 to 40,000 kilocalories for fuel, for your energy. So you don't crash. It actually stabilizes your blood sugar, which gives you more energy, and it helps you burn fat all day long, including when you're sleeping. And there's a ton of science out there now showing that when you transition your metabolism away from carbohydrates to more ketone bodies and fats, not only does it stimulate your metabolism and protect protect your brain from neurodegenerative disorders, it also shifts the amount of insulin that your body is squirting out into your bloodstream. And what we found is that insulin can be quite inflammatory in nature. 
So the less insulin we have in our body, the less inflammation we have, the less uh, diabetes we'll get, the less cardiovascular inflammation we'll have, the less stress we have in certain systems of our body. And so science has been really brilliant at pointing this out. What's unfortunate is that a lot of people and even physicians aren't up on the latest research. They're kind of going by the low fat or, you know, carbohydrates are still okay and they're still sending diabetics to nutritionists who are telling them to have fruit for breakfast, which will really spike their blood sugar and insulin levels and not really help treat or identify the, the root of what's going on in their metabolism. Well, and I, I find, um, you know, diabetics are are also given, you know, permission to eat a lot of carbs. Um, and I think one thing that happens is because the for the first medication they're put on will will lower their blood sugar so much they'll have to spike it back up, which just tells you if you avoid carbs that you could probably you get your insulin under control. Why would you need the medication? Yes, I see this often. It's really interesting. In fact, I have a personal instance of this. My mom is diabetic, and she, you know, lived a life of eating carbohydrates and a lot of sugar, and she just didn't know any better, and she had, you know, old bad habits. And she's now a type 3 diabetic, which is basically... Uh, diabetes uh, that has the Alzheimer's uh, dementia component to it. And her doctor tells her that if her blood sugar is too low, to drink juice, to have sugar immediately. Instead of eat healthy foods, avoid sugar, and maybe we can cut your dose in half of, you know, because she's on insulin. She's insulin dependent Mm -hmm. at this time. She's 80. So, very interesting. I hear this with patients. I see this in my own family, and it's unfortunate. And part of it, I think, is the system. The system is set up to treat symptoms and not look at the root. I think doctors are doing their very, very best with the tools they have, and the tools they have are pharmaceuticals for the most part. And rather than looking at nutrition and lifestyle and mindset, they're only looking at how to shift the drug picture. And the best they can do is tell them to eat sugar. But we know better. We know that. We understand that a lot more can be done to really empower that person's body to balance and heal. Well, and I, I think, you know, from stories that I've heard and doctors that have told me that their training in, in nutrition um, has been, you know, just a couple hours in the years that they have. So it, it really isn't about um, them, you know, not wanting to help the person in front of them, but their training isn't there. And uh, um we need to change that for sure because your um, your health food is your fuel for your health and it, it doesn't solve everything all the time. But I always tell my patients if if you would put mud in your car, would it run instead of gas? But the gas isn't the only problem. You still have other things, but you would never put mud in it. And um, that analogy helps them because most people take care of their cars better than they do themselves. Um, yeah, and that's uh, a great analogy. Yeah, and so it's really important to, to, you know, to recognize that health starts 
here because this is also what you can control. And if you're contributing to your health problems with what you're eating and that's easy to change, it costs you nothing. You have to buy food and eat anyway. So if we can change that with just how we're eating, we're definitely going in the right direction. Absolutely. It's so important. I write about how a lot of people believe that you are what you eat, but that's only partially the truth. I believe that people are what they are able to digest and absorb. And so what people are putting into their mouth really does make a difference and how well they digest it makes an even bigger difference. And this is something that people aren't talking about with paleo or primal or even keto. The, the standard keto diet has no mention of how are you actually going to digest all of those fats and what is the condition of your gallbladder? Are you able to digest all those fats? And how's your pancreas with its digestive enzymes? Uh, how is your uh, HCL, your hydrochloric acid in your stomach? Are you able to break down food particles? Are you chewing your food well? So I really like to educate people like you do around making healthier food choices and also use functional medicine or functional blood chemistry analysis and a comprehensive intake to discern how their digestive function is so that they can get the best out of making better choices. Uh, definitely agree. Now, we talked about some pretty extreme cases that diet can, you know, take us to diabetes and heart disease. And this is something that everybody is aware of. But, you know, there are obviously people that that um, are in need of, of change that haven't crossed that line into a disease. So when we talk about health and what this means, um, what, what, what does that mean? What does a healthy person look like? It's mm, a great question. I like to redefine what health means because currently in the Western medical system and the media, health is portrayed as the absence of disease. And you could be a point away from a disease, but according to those systems and social media, you're fine. You're fine until you have that disease and now you're called not healthy. And I think this is a real problem. And I think it does people a disservice and it disempowers them. I want to give the power back to the patient so that they can really take control of their health again. And this means looking at health through a different lens. It means uh, looking at health through vibrancy. How do you feel? How do you look? Do you have big, dark bags under your eyes? Do you have lots of wrinkles and sunspots? Are you aging more rapidly? Is your hair turning gray or silver at a very young age? Is your skin supple? How's your mind? Do you have peace of mind or do you feel riddled by anxiety? How is your body shape? How is your weight? Rather than talking with people about losing weight. I like to re-educate people about releasing weight. And often, excess tissue is a result of suppressed emotions and habits that were formed to help us feel safe when really uh, it's not serving our highest good. So for me, health is a much bigger picture than just the absence of disease. It truly includes your mind, body, and spirit health. 
Well, I, I definitely agree with you. There's so many times that I have people come to me and they're like, I don't feel well. I'm not functioning the way I used to. My doctor says everything's fine on paper. And I know from experience that if they were to leave those symptoms, it might take five to 10 years, but it would cross the line into an illness eventually because there is inflammation when you don't feel well. And that's definitely something that we should be looking at before we cross the line into disease. Like I tell people all the time, why do you, why would you want that? So let's do this now. And in my mind, that's prevention. It's preventing you from actually getting the disease. Whereas in, you know, the doc, their doctor's mind, it's once you get a disease, then we'll treat you and prevent it from getting worse. Exactly. I think you nailed it. It's so important uh, to really look at things through the lens of prevention. And so often we're encouraged to ignore symptoms. Oh, we didn't find anything wrong. So you're fine. Instead Mm -hmm. of really listening to someone, they're having these nagging symptoms. They feel fatigued. They have an afternoon slump in their energy. They get headaches. Their joints are sore and achy. They have gas and bloating. They have an extra 20 pounds they'd like to release. But the doctors look at their labs and they say, oh, we can't find anything wrong. And it's just not so. What's going on is the reference ranges upon which they are measuring people against are more based on illness than they are on healthy individuals. And so my second book, uh, Know Your Blood, Know Your Health, talks about functional blood chemistry analysis as the ultimate tool to prevention because it really gives you a look inside your body and we can find things that are subclinical. So before a diagnosis and then properly guide you to nutrition or lifestyle shifts that will prevent suffering. It's so cool. I get really yeah. excited about that. I, I do too. I get excited when, when the change happens for people. Um, we're going to talk about this more when we get back. We're talking to Kristen Grace McGarry, and uh, her book is called Holistic Keto for Gut Health. And we'll be back shortly. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. 
Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, I'm talking with Kristen Grace McGarry, and uh, we're discussing her book, Holistic Keto for Gut Health. So, um, Kristen Grace, you talk a lot about um, in your book about what this diet is going to do for people. And I think one of the the most important things, aside from obviously your gut is going to change because you're changing how you eat, but um, the autoimmune part, because the autoimmune diseases are on the rise. And um, there's a lot of theories of why people people don't really understand um, but the you know the diagnoses are becoming more and more and people are more and more affected so how does that change that spectrum mm-hmm. well your gut is the seat of your immune function it's the throne about 70 75 percent of your immune function is stemming from gut health and what's going on in your gut And over time, if people are eating poorly or they're exposed to pesticides, chemicals, they have chemical products maybe they're putting on their hair or their skin and they don't realize it or they're using perfumes that are neurotoxic in nature, Um, they may be breathing air that's not clean or water that's not uh, very clean because it might have residual uh, pharmaceutical hormones and drugs in it, all these things and stress uh, cause gut damage. Most people have some level of gut damage, so they have some level of immune dysfunction. And autoimmunity is just on the other end of the continuum. You know, mild immune function, can, immune dysfunction can look like allergies, seasonal allergies or environmental or food allergies or sensitivities. And eventually what happens is your body, instead of losing its, its ability to deal with the external world, loses its ability to deal with the internal world. And your immune system goes wonky and it mistakenly attacks your own tissue. And so when you repair the gut, you're helping to balance or modulate your immune function. And so my holistic keto for gut health program really takes the basics of keto to the next level and focuses on repairing the gut because it is pivotal to your overall health. Um, Well, you know, this is back to the example I gave about, um, you know, cars putting mud in your car. Um, I definitely agree with you. And, and you know, I know that there's a lot of resistance from people um, to make these changes because they've been eating a certain way their whole life and um, food is addictive. So how do you help somebody change um, into a program like this, which some people feel is, is really, really um 
strict. Um, you know, being keto means no grains. People find it hard to eat out. So what kind of conversations do you have with people? Yes, and I write about this in the book as well. The conversation I have with people, uh, there are several stages. First is just education. And when people can see what's going on inside their body and they can begin to understand how some of the choices they're making in their food and their life and their relationships are, is causing their body harm and will cause suffering either now or in the future, then they're a little more motivated. They're a little more invested in looking at how they can make a change. And one of the challenges I find is that people think they have to overhaul everything. And it's not necessarily the case. And so depending on the person, we'll look at how to make a one-degree shift or a two-degree shift in their eating or their lifestyle so they begin to feel a little better and have a little more energy so they can make the next one- or two-degree shift and then the next one- or two-degree shift. Some people are type A go-getters, and they want to make a 1,000% shift immediately, and they have the energy and the commitment to do so. That's great. I love that. But more often than not, you're, you're right. People struggle because they're addicted, because they have these old habits and strategies around food and self-care and self-nurturing and sustenance. And so I educate people and I talk them through healthy alternatives and I teach them how to find pleasure in leaning against the challenge. I talk to them about seeking Seeking things that may not feel or be the quick fix, feel good addiction quick fix, but have a long-term positive impact on their health, their life, their relationships. And that is usually very appealing to people. And if I can lay out step-by-step, which is pretty individualized for each person, how they can go about doing it so it's easy and fun people really hop on board quickly. So I don't think it has to be stressful or painful, but it is an upgrade. And if people mm-hmm. really want an upgrade, then then we can do it and it doesn't have to be so, so difficult. And I, I love the way you said that because that's how I, I talk to people when we're making diet changes is pick one thing at a time, spend a week or two, find replacements for it, cut it out, get over the cravings, enjoy what you're doing. And I think one of the big things is enjoy what you're doing because food is meant to be enjoyed or we wouldn't have these taste buds that make us say the words delicious and gross, you know, so so for for people that think, oh, food is just fuel, it, it's more than that. We are supposed to enjoy it. We are supposed to have celebrations. And, um, you know, it, it's important to embrace it. And I think embrace it as a family as well. You know, I often hear that, you know, people's families won't eat what they're eating. And and they're having to cook three meals for people or that this kind of thing. And, and I think it, it should be a change as a family, even if it's just that you're exploring new foods and new tastes, because it's it's good for everybody to explore new things, try something new, and if you don't like it, just don't have it again. Absolutely. I completely agree. I call it taste bud training. <laughs> and I do this with people with adults as well as children. And it's about training your taste buds. And when you've been addicted to carbohydrates or sweets or coffee, or all sorts of things. Sometimes we need to retrain our taste buds and our brain chemistry. 
And we have these deep neural grooves in our brain from habituated choices. Uh, We have these habits around food or stuffing our feelings or stress eating or celebrating with junk food and sweet treats instead of celebrating with savory, nutritiously dense food. And so I like to teach people how to play with food and start to retrain their taste buds. And I often do it through raw desserts that have no sugar, but they're flavorful and they're dense and they're nutritious and it's a dessert. And when someone can shift and start to have a healthy dessert, even for breakfast, Uh, that can start to play with their brain and it starts to play with the way they think about food and the way they think about self-sustenance. And that opens up more doorways or avenues of communication around the old habits that they've had. Um, Which I think is important as well. We have created habits and we're talking about changing them. Um, And I want to talk about more reasons why we should change them. So we talked about um, autoimmunity and obviously there's cravings as well. And that's important to acknowledge that you may not want to make the changes because you are craving some of these things. Um, But what other changes do you see when people make these changes? Well, when people make these changes, they begin to wake up with a lot more energy. Their thinking becomes clear. Their memory becomes sharp. Excess tissue or weight on their body begins to be released. They have a sense of freedom that comes over them. And it's often like nothing they've ever experienced before in their life. And it's quite impactful and motivating for them to continue peeling off layers of old, old patterns in their life and in their relationships even and their relationship to food and self-care. Um, yeah, which is really important. So when one thing that's happening right now is people are talking about meat. So, um, you know, my idea of keto, because this is what goes around, is we're going to be eating a lot of um, cheese and bacon and and high high amounts of meat. And people are now talking about how meat is acidic and causes inflammation. So how does this work in your diet plan? I love this question. Thank you so much for bringing it up because it's so important to address. So, first of all, keto does not mean a lot of meat. So, that's a myth. Now, standard keto or dirty keto or lazy keto can mean a lot of processed junk food and meat. That's true. But my holistic keto does not say you need to eat a bunch of meat. Uh, You need to eat healthy fat. You need to eat a small to moderate amount of meat or flesh food, depending on your body, your metabolism, your exercise uh, routines, etc. But you don't have to eat a ton of meat. This is a huge difference. And the story that meat is acidic is not completely based in science. Let me explain. Um, I'll use myself as an example. So there is a a book out there. It's called the Metabolic Type Diet Book, and it's brilliant. It's partial, but it's brilliant. And what the author began to focus on is that we have nine systems in our body that regulate our metabolism. 
And we have a primary system, a secondary system, and a tertiary system. And I may have a particular system that's regulating my metabolism, but if I'm starting to train for a marathon, my body might change its system to a different one to help me better perform and uh, use my fuel from food better. So to honor that not everybody is working off of the same system is important. Now, my particular body actually gets alkalinized when I have some meat. My urine as a meat eater is 8.0, which is a little too alkaline. It's very interesting, but that's what meat does to my body. So it's not true that all meat causes acidity in all people. I have very, very low levels of inflammation in my body. And it's quite remarkable being I'm an athlete. I had an autoimmune disease. I'm on airplanes and traveling every single month. I have tons of radiation exposure because I'm on airplanes and other chemicals I'm exposed to. And my blood work looks amazing. My skin looks amazing. My eyes are sparkling. I have more energy than probably five of my neighbors do put together. And it's because I'm listening at a deeper level. I'm looking at my labs, but I'm listening to my body rather than being stuck in a dogmatic kind of belief system around, you know, this blanket statement of food that's acidic or alkaline. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I I think um, the important part is that um, we need to also look at who we are. Um, I actually am very familiar with the metabolic um, typing book that you mentioned. And the interesting part about that is I did the the quiz when I was in school and then I did it after and my needs changed. Um, and, and I think it's important to recognize that as well. And I'm sure that you see that, that what we need at a certain time can also change. Um, and, and, mm-hmm. And, you know, things can shift after we heal, um, especially following a diet like this, we might be able to do something a little bit different after being strict for a while. Is that something that you observe as well? Absolutely. Yes. I mean, once someone's gut is repaired and their immune system is functioning better, as long as they don't have a severe autoimmune disease or multiple autoimmune diseases, usually people won't have such strong reactions if they eat a processed food or if they have an exposure. There are some people who are going to be sensitive, um, and then there are other people who are going to be able to bounce right back. So being strict, you know, so to speak, um, you know, I I tend to re-educate people about the concept of being strict or the concept of rewarding themselves and look at it instead in terms of self-love and that feeding your body well is an act of self-love so why wouldn't you want to do that all the time instead of setting it up like I went to Catholic school so I'll use that as an example I had really strict teachers I would never want to set up a kitchen with strict teachers (laughs) that would (laughs) not be fun and I think a lot of nutritional programs and diets that people are on and fad diets that people do have this strict component and I think it's it's so 
ingrained in our culture and our media and our healthcare system that we get trapped in it. And I want to re-educate people about acts of self-love and how to take care of themselves and enjoy life in a completely different way without the whole strict paradigm. How does that sound? Yeah, well, I, I, I like that because I think, you know, sometimes people come into me for the first time and they're on a very strict diet that they read online and, you know, um, that's mm-hmm. supposed to reduce inflammation. And they're like, no, no, I'm fine with this. And I'm like, okay, you might be fine with it right now, but let me give you some rules that I would follow in case you find this is too much. And guaranteed by the time they come in to see me again, they have strayed from the very strict part because it, it, it was too hard and there's too many rules mm-hmm. and they went all in too fast and it wasn't sustainable. And then they started following, you know, and I don't actually give a lot of rules. Yeah. I just, you know, have something more manageable. And then they end up doing that instead because they realize too strict is too hard, especially when it comes to food, because if you feel like you're in this box and you, you can't, you know, stray from it because something bad will happen. And, and, you know, we do use the word cheating which makes it sound bad um you know it it can put these weird connotations on food as well and i think that we go down some some very weird roads with food that aren't as healthy even when we're trying to get healthy and change those thoughts absolutely yeah i never use the word cheating i don't believe that people cheat on diets um or cheat in in you know, their health care or with a nutritional plan, that's just not part of my vocabulary. I like to educate patients um, about these acts of self-love and how to better care for themselves. And if caring for themselves means eating something at a certain time, then do it with love instead of stress and shame and guilt. You know, those stressors halt digestion. When your nervous system is stressed like that because you're having these thoughts or feelings, you're not digesting well. You digest when you rest, when your nervous system is down-regulated. And so it's really important in gut repair and also in my program to look at how we are with food. What's our relationship to food or dieting? What's our relationship to omitting a food or including a green vegetable? Because some people have really strong reactions to that. So I created a chapter in my Holistic Keto book with these kinds of inquiry for journaling so that people, the readers, can start to heighten their own self-awareness around their habits and patterns and relationship to food and their body. Because I think in that lies so much power that we've been giving up to others that it's time to take back. Perfect. Um, We're going to take a quick break. We're talking today with Kristen Grace McGarry, and we'll be back shortly. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. 
Search Voice America at your favorite app store. We're on the pulse of the world with great shows and hosts. The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel is also on Twitter. We've got ideas to keep you healthy, breaking health news, and more. Follow us on Twitter at Voice AM Health. That's at Voice AM Health. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, I'm talking with Kristen Grace McGarry, and uh, we are discussing her book, Holistic Keto for Gut Health. So, um, Kristen Grace, what does it look like um, in a day of being keto? What would people be eating? Well, there's a difference between standard keto, typical keto, lazy and dirty keto, and my holistic keto version. So, I'll just dive into my version of that, uh, because there's a lot on the internet that people can look at around typical standard keto, which I don't think is usually very healthy. And so in holistic keto, if your blood sugar is balanced, then you may do some intermittent fasting. And if you're just starting out and you're getting your blood sugar balanced and you're becoming ketogenic, and that means using uh, fat or ketone bodies for your energy source, then you may be having a high-fat breakfast. And a high-fat breakfast in typical keto might be bacon and eggs with cheese on it, but in holistic keto, it's not. It could be raw chocolate mousse made out of avocados and coconut. It could be a delicious drink made out of full-fat coconut milk. It could be my gut repair-friendly chicken soup that's chock-full of amazing vegetables with lots of different colors, organic free-range chicken topped with avocado and cilantro and a twist of lime. So sometimes I educate my patients to have dinner for breakfast. And they love that because it's a really solid start to their day. It balances their blood sugar and their brain is functioning so much better. So then they may not need to eat again until dinner time. Some people report that it was so nourishing, it took their body, their metabolism through the day. Other people will need a little snack or a lunch and that's okay. So Having breakfast, having dinner for breakfast can be a great start. Um, I also have people looking at their micronutrients, not only their macronutrients. So in the typical keto diet, people are looking at their macros, which is protein, fat, and carbohydrates. And they forget about their micronutrients. And the micronutrients are all those vitamins and minerals in, say, kale, collards, vegetables. And so I like to emphasize getting people a nice wide variety of micronutrients and how to make snacks out of them, how to include them in various meals so that they're really getting the nutrients they need for gut repair. 
um, which is what we want. So um, when we're going through all of this and and making these changes, I actually love that you said dinner for breakfast because I talk to people all the time that they need to look um, at breakfast differently because the North American breakfast breakfast is sugar and cereal and we're going to have a pastry or we're going to have bacon and eggs and then we have the bacon, which is full of uh, a lot of preservatives. And people don't know what to do when when we're changing how they're eating because sugar is always coming out with anybody that I'm dealing with and their breakfast is always full of sugar. Um, so I love that you're talking about that because I do the same thing. Awesome. Yeah, it's so important. I love to hear that you're doing that too. It can really change someone's day. Uh, I even bring up coffee. I educate my patients about coffee. You know, keto, the standard typical keto diet is all about their keto coffee in the morning and putting MCT oil in their coffee. Well, Dr. Ames, who created the test that the FDA uses for carcinogenicity, that's, you know, to test foods and chemicals, products for carcinogens, cancer-causing agents, used coffee as his test subject. And he found anywhere from like 10 to 200 carcinogens in a single cup of coffee. It can be a real energy zapper to drink coffee. And so I like to educate people about that because in America, as you were saying, or in the United States, I think North America, as you were saying, um, people tend to reach for these high carb, sugary, sweet breakfast foods. And then they have coffee. (laughs) And it can really screw up their gut and their metabolism. Well, and most people are putting sugar and milk in in their coffee. So, um, you know, they're really having a dessert at breakfast if they're having a latte or um, something with the syrup in it. And um, or even if they in Canada, people go to uh, Tim Hortons to get a double double and, you know, sugar dairy. And, you know, they're just messing their, their bodies up doing that. It's true. It's true. Yeah. So one thing um, that's important, I think, to talk about is, um, you know, it's, I guess some people call it self-control. You know, they they can't um, get over eating the certain foods. And um, there's also the the mindset of um, the woe is me, I think. Um, you know, this is hard for me. How do you coach people to get over those humps so that they can make these changes for themselves? Yeah, Well, first of all, I think it's so important to heighten one's awareness around these habits of our mind. And when our mind is telling us, oh, this is hard, oh, I hate this, oh, I don't want to cook, oh, you know, to me, it's, it's a signal, it's like a signpost that there's something else going on. So I like to educate people to honor the signpost, but not take it too seriously as if it's the ultimate truth that there might be something else going on. So to develop curiosity. And if we can develop curiosity and then have even just a small degree of self-inquiry, ask at the self-questions, look at the mind, look at the patterns and habits, then we can go more deeply into where did this come from? From where did this arise? And when I can guide people through that, which I do do some of in, in my book, they can start asking the right questions 
And that's even more important sometimes than getting the right answer is which question are we going to ask ourselves? From where did I learn this habit? Oh, my God. I remember I was five years old and this incident happened with my sister and mom and dad did blah, blah, blah. Oh, my God. And it petrified me. And I've been doing this thing ever since. Whoa. I had no idea that that's where it stemmed from. So when people heighten their awareness around where these patterns came from, then it, it just opens up their perspective so much that it's much easier to release the patterns. If people don't understand where it came from and they're not asking the right questions and they're kind of detached from it, but they're just on autopilot, then usually those patterns will bring some kind of suffering and disharmony, whether it's in their relationships or their relationship to money or their body or their health or their nutrition. And so I guide people to really get to the root, to ask the questions why and, and how. And, and then people can soften around what used to be a firm, fear-based, protective strategy. They can start to soften and go, oh, well, I would consider only having half a cup of coffee. Well, I would consider moving to green tea for a couple days and seeing how I feel. Oh, I would, I would consider eating one leafy green vegetable a day. That's not so bad. Oh, you have a good recipe? Oh, I can put a yummy, nutritious sauce on it? Oh, oh, okay. So then people start to soften those hard edges. And it really comes from education and empowerment and, and guiding them to ask the right questions. Well, and I, I think that's really important as well, because we we all have those patterns around food. It's very rare that I meet somebody that, that doesn't. Um, and I have this conversation almost every day. And, um, you know, we have um, food that we reward ourselves with, and we have food that we hate, and we have patterns in our eating that we were most likely taught. And sometimes people come in and they're like, oh, well, I'm going to get heart disease because it's in my family and my mom and my aunt had it. And I, I explained to them it's because you have the same eating habits. You learned from them how to eat. And if you make changes, you will um, change that destiny that you think that you have. But you have to be willing to change what they taught you and then move beyond that. Exactly. Well said. I completely agree. We're just starting to touch on the field of epigenetics that states what we eat, where we live, how we live, the relationships we have, the way we think actually can turn genes on or turn genes off. And when we start to shift the old behaviors and habits that we learned from our family, which likely turned certain genes on for them, we can turn them off for us and create a whole new destiny. Yeah, and I agree. And, you know, I'm just remembering it was um, about 20 years ago when I was in my starting my health journey and somebody told me I had to stop eating bread and there was more to it than that. It was bread and sugar. But I remember bread being the biggest deal to me and I thought that I could never give it up. And 10 years later, I was diagnosed with celiac disease. So now, you know, bread is a whole different ballgame to me. But I remember at the time thinking, but I love bread. I have to do this. And, you know, over time, I actually came to not need it, not crave it. Um, and it was something that, 
is now just not even a thought in my mind that I need that. But I, I can definitely tell you it did not happen overnight and I had resistance, but I did analyze the resistance and look at what I need to do and what was more important, my health or, you know, a piece of bread. Yeah, well done. Well done. Yeah, it can be a journey. And we do need to kind of do some soul searching. Like, what is it about this food? What need is it needing in me? Is it comfort? Is it habit? Is it something because I was raised, it, it gives me a sense of comfort because of my childhood? Or, or is it control? Is it about power? Did I not have enough power um, in my life when I was growing up and so now I want to have control over what I put in my mouth or there's so many lines of inquiry that we can take. I also was diagnosed with celiac, but it was celiac Hashimoto's. So when someone has one autoimmune disease, they will likely develop two or three or more. And so I also learned about cross-reactivity testing, which I talk about in the book, about if someone has an autoimmune issue or they have celiac, it's not enough to just give up bread or gluten, that there are other foods that cross-react, that our bodies um, identify as similar enough. They have a similar protein structure to gliadin or other proteins and gluten that our body can create an inflammatory response and immune dysfunction that can last months. And there's very few tests. Uh, Cyrex Labs is the only one I've worked with thus far that can really offer us um, accurate testing for these cross-reactive foods. And that can often be part of someone's journey as they're getting off of certain foods that they loved, how to show them this is how your body's reacting. That's this it. Um, like a poison to you. Yeah, perfect. Well, we're going to have to end the show there. Um, if anybody wants um, any more information, how can they get a hold of you or your book? Thanks, Dr. Rebecca. My name is Kristen Grace McGarry, and my book is called Holistic Keto for Gut Health. You can get it on Amazon or my website. My website is guthappyketo.com. Well, perfect. Thank you so much for joining me today. It was a great show. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and if anybody wants more information on my story and what I went through, you can find that on my website at dr-risk.com. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can send me an email at anantacalgary at gmail.com. Today we are talking with Kristen Grace McGarry. And thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Be sure to make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week. 